walked like him. He talked like him. Give me five, yo, mama, get down. He even cooked like him. He wanted to be just like Bruce Lee. So he regulated his diet, began intensive training, and learned to live like a great samurai master. You must know Kung Fu. Oh, yeah, I once stepped in it. And as his reputation spread throughout the land, his days became filled with new challenges. Eating chicken with nunchucks, defeating criminals with a flick of his hand, and defending good against evil. They give that man his purse back. He lived a life of non-stop action. Just cut the cards. Cut the cards, sir. Constant danger. With little time for rest or relaxation. Deadly killers hunted him. And every woman wanted him. Now, as long as you wear this, I'm not going to make love to another man. Me neither. He was a man that women would fight for. Great teachers respected. And his wisdom was sought by everyone. The most important thing in life is broad. Amen. It's the birth of a great American hero. They call me Bruce. 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 No, Bruce. Chinese boy got a funny mouth. Mm-hmm. They call me Bruce, a superhero America can believe in. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. I don't know why I can't get this volume right in here. What's going on? There it is. Any problems with your volume again? There's two knobs on this thing. I don't know how to get it right. I got now. You just, what did you just do? You stood up for a second and... I had to turn the ceiling fan off. Oh, now you turn it off? Yeah. Well, the stupid fire alarm, I had to get them... Sound like a pavement record over there. <laughs> Is that what it was? Anyway. What do you guys know? You guys know anything? What's going on? How mm-hmm. are you, Gabe? Mm-hmm. I'm all right. Don't have to worry about you? I I think you did something on punk today. What was that? You Start set off fire? you set off a smoke detector with a frozen pizza. A Jack's pizza. Is Ooh. that on punk? Unpunk Gabe, unpunk Gabe, unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Maybe that is punk. I don't know. How do you I didn't burn any cheese. It's just these new homes, they're real small and, and you the kitchen's real small, the confined area. The smoke alarm's right above it. I cooked the freaking Jack's pizza. There was no smoke in the house. It's time to and move on from up. Jack's. It was there. I was at Walmart. Uh huh. It's time to move on from Walmart. <laughs> they had a deep dish Detroit style 
DiGiorno I was going to get, but it only oh, had pepperoni. Ooh, so I well. couldn't do it. I'm not just, to kind of do the, take the take, pepperoni you know, off. Only no. Fonza Noons like you would be into <laughs> frozen Detroit styles. <laughs> Fonza Noons, it's the, my new word that I learned this week uh, at the Chicago Pizza Tavern Style Facebook group. Oh, you're still going I, strong with that, huh? I, I cannot bring myself to to extricate myself from their Fonza Noon proceedings. Fonza Noon. Only pictures of pizzas from this area, you Fonza Noons. The rest of it is trash. <laughs> and I was like, maybe we, we should get this guy on the show. You guys what? need to ch- just check it out. Check out the group. Okay. And, and tell me called? if you're not obsessed. It's the Chicago Pizza Facebook group or something, but it says don't call it tavern style. And it all writes tavern out as if it were a curse word. What's the uh, what's their stance on Dave Portnoy? I'm sure they have nothing but disdain for him. They had disdain for almost everyone. So you would think I that like this that. would be my place to be. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I learned some fun words. Uh, I also learned another word from uh, our buddy Liam Gallagher this week. He called out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Your place that you dig so much, Gabe. I don't dig it. I don't even like it. You love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can't stop talking about it. No, I'm 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 perturbed by their choices and their non choices. Perturbed by uh them dropping Iron Maiden from the ballot. Yes, there should be rules. You should have a clock. You get on the ballot for five years, if you don't make it, you're off. Uh-huh. Then the Pioneers Club puts you in later on if you deserve it. They just <laughs> willy nilly making things up as they go along. Okay, so somebody agrees with you, and he's from the band Oasis. Now, you're not an Oasis fan, are you? I appreciate their approach to playing rock in the 90s. They've got choruses. They're subtle, and they're they're great as far as some of their choruses. Whoa, there's nothing subtle about Oasis. Their non-radio tracks are not as catchy when the choruses but the chorus anyway, anyway anyway so the, oasis is nominated this year for the rock and roll hall of fame and liam gallagher god bless him is still a fonz noon and uh he he tweets fuck the rock and roll hall of fame it's full Fook. of full of bumbaclarts oh yeah i saw that <laughs> fuck the rock and roll hall of fame it's full of bumbaclarts 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 everyone what is a bumbaclart? <laughs> now I heard mm. Ben's going to look it up, but I heard from somebody, my friend Blake, that it might be Jamaican slang. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Jamaican slang. Literally means ass cloth or toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's shitty toilet paper. Yeah. Or is it? Uh, or is it more like a uh, a. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, I don't know. Where are you going with this? Is it more like um, how, do, how do I put this? a tampon? Yeah, because it, there's another way of saying it. it's more like blood clot, bumble clot, bumble uh, clot, a bumble clot. Oh, it's like a blood clot. So that's a tampon or blood clot, like a blood cloth. El man, it's the blood clot. A bumble clot. <laughs> the bumble oh, clot. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> 
Maybe it's a tampon that somebody stuck so up he's their ass. So call, he's calling the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a bunch of bloody tampons. This is all going to be one big bleep, right? <laughs> no, man. This is stuff people need to know. So, I mean, this came just a day after Oasis was announced, which to me signals that this is the only band worth getting in. But he further expressed his disdain for the award nomination, telling a fan who admitted they planned on voting for Oasis not to waste your time, and that while he appreciated the fan's sentiment, the award and nomination is all a load of bollocks. He even went as far as admitting he thinks there's something very fishy about those awards. Gabe, Mm -hmm. I think you're an Oasis man. More importantly, and more specifically, more specifically, you're a Liam Gallagher fan. Your thoughts? I do get a kick out of his antics, but I, I don't follow him. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. I don't own any of their records. I gotta admit. I think hmm. you should listen to. I think you should listen to. <laughs> I think you should listen to what's the story, Morning Glory, and come back to us. I'm not afraid of it. Why would you be? Now listen to it. Hey, Gabe, who's on the show today? Today, Bruce Lamont is on the show. Who's Bruce Lamont? You ask. It could. How do you say Yakuza or Yakuza? How do you say that? I like the way you said it first. Yakuza. I never say it like that, but I like the way you said it. Yakuza. That's, yes. It gives me a, a warm bumba clot. It gives me a warm feeling in my bumba clot, man. He's, he's in a band. He plays sax. Does he sing too, or is it just sax? He's the singer, and he plays sax. It's a rock band that is more leaning towards metal and... Rag? I would say it's a metal band that is very forward-thinking, forward-leaning. Um, Prague is definitely in there. Uh, jazz is in there. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's all in there. Hardcore is in there. There's a lot of a lot of stuff swirling around in that yakuza stew, and, and- they are celebrating. Are you going to say something? I was going to say you have a long history with Mr. Bruce. Yes. From way back in the day. Sure. And we'll bring uh, that up. And, as, as do you. Well, I don't know him by name, but I'll call him up on, on the phone and ask him how he's been doing with his Yakuza. <laughs> Bruce has played some shows with us back in the day uh, in, a, in, a, in a former band. and We'll get into that, but... But the main thing to, that we want to talk about is uh, the show coming up this Sunday at Thalia Hall here in Chicago. Now, is it Thalia? Is it Thalia? Ben, can you help me with this? Well, there used to be the Thalia or Talia Theater uh, in New York. Uh, like yeah, a very famous have, revival house. Do you house. know I, which one it is? I never knew how me. to say it. I know. can't help you. It's pronounced Etrope with a silent Thalia. <laughs> okay. All right. So they're playing the Etrope <laughs> Hall in Chicago on February 25th, this Sunday. A 25th anniversary show with Oxbow and one of my favorite bands, Sybris. They played oh, with yeah. us New Year's Eve. Um, and they've got a fairly recent record. It came out last year. It's called Sutra. It's their seventh record. And it's great. I... I uh, if you said you thought it was their best record, I wouldn't argue with you. I don't know what Bruce thinks, but I think it's terrific. And here's the thing, 25 years, seven records, that's not a lot. 
right? I mean, we've had some people on here that have made a lot more records in half that time, but but they're great. Their records are really great, and I, and I I you know I get the feeling that they're not interested in pumping out a record like a puppy. Uh, plus, they had an eleven year. He'll get into all that, but first. I want to bring up something that's really sticking in my craw. Uh, went to Reckless Records the other day. Reckless Records charges a bag tax. Okay? So there's a bag tax here in Chicago. It's a seven cents. Like if you're going to go to Jewel, it's like, hey, we'll, we'll charge you for a bag, but you, it's better if you bring a, a, your own cloth bag to bring it back in. Mm-hmm. Right? But who goes to Reckless Records and doesn't get a bag? Nobody. I mean, the whole point of buying a record from Reckless Records is you're walking out with a Reckless Records bag. And, and by the way, they should be paying me. They should be paying us. You walk around the neighborhood with a Reckless Records bag, it's free ad- advertising for them. But wait a minute. A tax, Do they have it? to? Yeah, isn't it a city ordinance or something like that? Maybe, but pretend it isn't. <laughs> They're not making money. They're not keeping the seven cents. They got to pay up. They got to yeah, pay for It's the like city. if they were doing football squares. They're not making money. It's just the money comes in. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I would, I, I would rebel against this one. How but is the is the record, reckless records bag durable? Like, is it something you can reuse? Oh, it's a great bag, man. I'm going to put it on my head when uh, Bruce gets out here, so I don't have to listen to Gabe's questions. But it's. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's a great bag, okay. and it's a good-looking bag. It's not free; they pay to make those bags. Scott, you're looking at it from the wrong angle here. You're you're on the right. I side am. Of, That's right. The wrong side here. That's right. They don't get those bags for free with reckless records written on them already. They gotta pay. Of course they do. That's part. That's that, that's part of the uh, price of doing business. I get that's it. Part of their overhead. That's right. Tuck that shit in there so I don't have to see it. Tuck the back of that shirt into your pants. <laughs> Mike Lustig just opened a record store in New Jersey. I wonder if they charge a bag tax. I wonder. Let me call Mike. You're no, going to pl- call him. Please talk Find to out us. if he charges a bag tax. <laughs> the last time we had him on the show, it did not go well. Is that right? What, what did oh, he say on the show? He was on a Remember, What's the Best, wasn't he? He was on a What's the Best, and he, and he picked... He picked some songs that nobody... <laughs> <laughs> But he's becoming a pretty loyal customer lately from GMP. Is oh, he? really? Yeah. Oh, he must be buying he's, for he's his reselling. He's reselling yeah. him at his store. Yeah, he's buying him at a full price. Uh-huh. He should ask me if I do wholesale, and I'll say. Do you do wholesale? Not for one or two, but if you want 20, sure. 10? I don't think you're ready to get into the wholesale business, Gabe. Oh, yes, I am. No, I've done it. Mike, leave a message, and I'll call you back. <laughs> Hey, do you charge um, uh, for the for for Soma Records bags? Do you have like a bag tax in New Jersey, or do you just charge for the fuck of it? People want to know. Let me know. Speaking of tax, our sin tax is getting worse and worse every week. In the city of Chicago, sin tax. Well, yes. The way, us, the way we talk, the way we oh, compose a sentence, our sin tax. No, we're we're. Midwesterners, and you just don't for care. Yourself. I'm not. A, yeah, but yeah, I can't speak. Gabe, you're a poco carante, is what you are. I don't even know what that is. That's right. Most poco carantes wouldn't know what a poco carante is. I think that's racist. 
Mm, it's not. It's something. If you would tell me what it is, I could tell you if it's 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 not not an insult. Speaking of bad syntax. <laughs> what what struck what was the what was an example of some bad syntax that you heard on a recent episode? What did you just said? What did I say about Mike Lustig? Said, Do you have bag? a tax, a bag of four things on <laughs> records buying? I see. That's what, that's what, that was the final straw for you. Yes. Okay. Gabe, have you looked up Poco Carante yet? We're, we're not cunning linguists here. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> no one's going to look up Poco Carante? Oh, okay. Right. How, how do you spell it? Cucarachi? Poco Carante, Poco Carante. That might be racist. Yeah, well, it is. Uh, who knows? Poco Carante. Definition. Did you mean Poco Carante? A careless or indifferent person. Caring little, different, nonchalant. And how did you phrase that in my direction? Because. You're just the kind of person who just is indifferent to most things, doesn't care. Poco Carante actually came from a, uh, it's, it's borrows from Italian. <laughs> How do you use it in a sentence? You, you're a Poco Carante. Uh, you know, like probably the most famous Poco Carante is uh, Trump. So you're like Trump. I can be swayed by the last person in the room, you're saying. Poco Carante, uh, in, in, in the works of Voltaire, he named a character Poco Carante uh, because that person cared little for art and music and just, you know, he was a Philistine. So, that's you. Is it a... And you're proud of it. Pejorative? Oh, Yes. It's a pejorative. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm never going to use this word again in my life, Liz, but so go ahead. It's fun to say. So use it in a sentence and make it apply to something that makes sense, because I don't, I don't, how do you use it? Uh, all right, it was in Candide. Uh, Candide, Senator Poco Carante. A man reported to have never known grief. Candide visits him as a means of testing philosophical optimism. But Poco Carante turns out to be miserable. See, this is much like this, this podcast that I do. Every week, I, I, I approach it testing my philosophical optimism. And you tear me down every week. And then every week I do it. So uh, in some ways, I'm like Sisyphus. And you're Yo, like Sisyphus. Mm-hmm. Who the hell is Sisyphus? In Greek mythology, Sisyphus or Sisyphus or Syphilis was the founder and king of Ephyra. Uh, mm-hmm. Ephyra. Hey, Ephyra. He was a devious tyrant who killed visitors to show off his power. This violation of the sacred hospitality tradition greatly angered the gods. They punished him for trickery of others, including his cheating death twice. 
the gods forced him to roll an immense boulder up a hill only for it to roll back down every time it neared the top, repeating this action for eternity. Through the classical influence on modern culture, tasks that are both laborious and futile, like this podcast, are therefore described as Sisyphean. What do you think of that, Poco Carante? Poco Carante is a person, and they made his name out of... They made his name an adjective? We've already done that with Gabe, haven't we? You really somebody pulled Gabe, that, didn't you? Somebody used that on, my, on our Facebook Cold Manor thing. Uh, uh, no, what yeah, was it? Yeah, you pull a Gabe every time you ask your Iron Maiden question. No. And, you, <laughs> no, you, you do, an and then you do it every week, over and over. It's, it's like it, it, it's turning into a Sisyphean task. You're going to roll that question up the hill. No, endlessly. I've never written that question down in my life, so it's never going to come out the same. That's the point. It's and yet the it gayism. does. And That's yes, the gayism. And, and yet the, the abject depression that I feel every week is the same. <laughs> but that's the, the fun of it. How am I going to get that question relayed to the guest in a different way than I've ever done before every week? Right, with different syntax. <laughs> You're right, because I'm, an, I'm not a uh, cunning linguist. You know how you can say an abject lesson or an object lesson? What's the difference between abject and object? Uh, and people don't think this podcast is educational. I, I know. Don't know why. I don't... I'm fascinated. You're a bunch of by... poco carantes. I know. But I'm fascinated with people's names that become verbs or adjectives like that, like like Machiavelli. Yes. Now that is something you are not Machiavellian. <laughs> How to use object lesson correctly? The term is occasionally rendered abject lesson, which doesn't make much sense. Abject, an adjective, means low, contemptible, like or miserable. Something somebody on Twitter would do, or or miserable. And while it's possible to imagine rare instances in which this descriptor might make sense, abject lesson is usually just a misspelling of object lesson. How do you like that? Mm. I did not That's know right. that. I object to this conversation. <laughs> Of course you would, because you're a poco carante. Hey, everybody. It turns out that abject lesson is an egg corn. A what? An egg corn, a special form of malaprop, wrong word usage, caused by two English words sounding about the same in a particular dialect. In this case, the culprit might be Indian English, which pronounces the A in about an abject very much like an O sound. Blame it on the Indians. It's an egg corn. Now, that's a f- word I've never heard before. An acorn? I don't get it. Egg corn. I don't know, but I've seen some Dr. Pepper peeps. And what? I think i got to try them out. Dr. Dr. Pepper, Pepper flavored peeps? Yes. Dr. Oh, wow. Pepper peeps. What does that mean? The Easter candy? Oh, peeps. Come on. You don't eat that shit. That no, sounds awful. It's like fluff with, with sprinkles on, on outside of it. Listen, you Easter's listen. coming up. They uh-huh. have Dr. They have Dr. Pepper shakes down here at Whataburger. Have you ever tried one? No. When it comes to all things Whataburger, I am Poco Carante. <laughs> Poco Carante. <laughs> Go on. That's it. It's a. It's Poco a. Poco Carante. <laughs> It's not that funny. It is funny. But that's not even a word. I think you made this up. I mean, really? And then I typed this woman saying it? <laughs> Coined by Enlightenment philosopher and author Voltaire, 
who joined the Italian words poco, meaning little, and carante, meaning caring. In the, ni- in the 1759 satirical novel Candide, Voltaire introduced the character of Signor Poco Carante, a Venetian nobleman who cares nothing about great works of art. Sound familiar, Gabe? I don't have appreciation for art. You're right. Certain kinds of art don't impress me. I'm going to send you a copy of Candide by Voltaire. Voltaire. (laughs) That's right. The book. (laughs) The writer. Philosopher. Not the cabaret. Poco curante. Hey, everybody. It's Bruce Lamont. (laughs) Yay. Bruce, what are you doing? Talking with you guys. What are you doing? Talking with you, man. 25 years of Yakuza. Yeah. You're playing a 25th anniversary show at Thalia Hall on this Friday, this Sunday, this Sunday, Sunday. February 25th with Oxbow and our favorites, Sivaris. Yep. Well, we're primarily a movie podcast. So what do you think about the movie, the Yakuza? You've never seen the movie Yakuza? bits and pieces of it it's it's not really my thing i don't you know i'm i'm not i'm not I, you know i follow you on on social media scott and i know i know your love for movies and every once in a while i read your i read your reviews and then and occasionally your reviews will dictate if i may check into that movie or not how about that that's some power Better that's some than, power i wield that i i actually i actually uh i trust you more than richard rover how about that Dude, Holy you shit. should trust it, anybody more words. than Richard Roper. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's okay, the biggest like, dingus on the planet. <laughs> you're like, are you? You're not even giving me a compliment, Bruce. No. I'm like, I know, I'm That's the not. worst. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. I was trying to give you a compliment. Come sure, on. Come sure. On. <laughs> well, isn't Richard Roper the original popcorn dick? I don't sure. know what that means. Ben, I don't know like, that means are you on something? <laughs> What's going on, Ben? Are you, you are crazy? You, excuse What's me. What's happening? Is Dick? Not short for Richard. So anyway, 25 years of Yakuza, the band, not, not a movie. Uh, unlike most 25th anniversary shows, however, you're coming loaded with a fairly recent record that is actually really great. Sutra oh, is thanks. awesome. Oh, thanks, dude. It's, re- <laughs> it's really terrific. Oh, thanks. When did you do this? We recorded it in 2021. We worked on it through the pandemic. Actually, we took, we started working on it in 2018 and uh, really kicked it into high gear. Whenever everybody else decided to lock down, we decided to bubble up and uh, <laughs> finish the, finish this thing. So we did. And then right when we were able to get into a studio, uh, we got into a studio with old, with old Roger, Roger Parker, Sanford. Oh, you did. You, know. you did this with Sanford. Oh yeah, we do all of our records with Sanford, or most of them. So, where did you do this at Sanford's place? We did it at uh, what's that place? Palisades. We did like the drums over there, and then and most of the like the basic tracking, and then like vocals and guitar overdubs over at uh, that uh, Hypercube or whatever he calls it over right, at Ravenswood. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this is your seventh record. First one in eleven years. Uh, it's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. You know, sometimes 
we get distracted. The older we get, the more distracted we get by, you know, life stuff and other bands. It's no secret that Bruce Lamont is a pretty prolific guy. You got solo records, bloodiest, Circle of Animals, Corrections House, Brain Tentacles, but I don't want to talk about any of that shit right now. I want to talk about dyslexic Apaches. Why? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I was going to bring it up too, actually. Good. Do you do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that fateful night that we uh, played together uh, at the uh, I don't know if it was a VFW Hall or American Legion Hall? Yeah, in, in Gurney, Gurney, Illinois. Uh, Jungle Rot, I think, opened the show. And, really. Uh, there was a three-piece version of Local H, right? Uh, a four-piece version of Dyslexic Apaches, and then Gurney's Lunkhead. finest L- Lunkhead. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was in '92. Oh, was it '92? I thought it was '91. Okay, was that '91 or '92, Gabe? That had to be around '90, somewhere around both of those. But that's a famous show that you always bring up, Scott. You talk about that show like it was an eye opener for you, dude. That that it, it was. That show was so much fun. I, I don't know what it your was. memory of it was, Bruce, but for me, that show was like I was like I want every show to be like this one. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that was the because there was so much energy. Like people were jumping out of the window. Like we were on the second floor and people were jumping out of the window, jumping in the window. I don't know how they got in. There were a lot of skaters there. But yeah. that was the show. I was like, I want every show to be like this. Yeah. Um, who's your bass player? Was his name Matt? Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was cool. Nice guy. Uh, yeah, it was fucking fun as shit. And you know, it's funny because um, I was up in Green Bay last night uh, playing with some friends, and uh, after the show, a bunch of us were talking about like coming up in bands, and all of those friends are band called Child Bite. They're from the Detroit area and we were shooting the shit and they were all in this group with some more Detroit people talking about almost the exact kind of like show scenarios. Like they were talking about this, like one American Legion hall that they all played at. And then they were talking about this like cafe that, you know, doubled as like a, a, a knowledge punk rock you right. know, club. And then, you know, it was, and then, oh, but they all yearned to play the one club in town that actually, you know, <laughs> served booze. And I called the, the promoter, or not the promoter, the owner of the, the cafe to play the all ages show. And he booked me at the, at the fucking real club. And I was only 16 years old and I didn't even bet nine. I said, yeah, we'll be there. And, you know, and they weren't even of age. And somehow right. a bunch of their friends got into that show like without IDs and they're all drinking and it got wild and fun. And they were like, yeah, this is great. But, and, and of course the club owner's like, Oh, this is awesome. Cause he didn't really give a shit if they were underage or not, honestly. And he was like, you guys got to come back. He's like, yeah, this is a lot of fun and everything, but we kind of want to go back to the American Legion hall fake, you know, the cafe punk rock shows. Cause they're a little more off the hook, you know, people jumping in and out of windows and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. And, and, and it kind of brought me back. Cause when you texted me the other day about this, I was thinking about that show and I was driving home from Green Bay today and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, I got it. We got to talk about that. So I'm really glad that you brought up Dyslexic Apaches. Thank you very much. So. <laughs> it had to happen. That, that, was a, yeah. that was a big night for me. And that, that yes, Gabe, yeah. it was eye-opening. And, and you know, it, it helped. It, it, it's helpful when you're doing it this long to like remember the moments that, that made you, you know? Yeah. Dude, that was like 33 years ago. 
<laughs> Wait, am I right? Just about. Right. Yep. Yeah. With 30, 30, 32 years ago. I, my math. I'm, you know, I, I barely got out of high school. Uh, yeah. Don't ask me like definitions of big words like prolific. Poco curante. I don't know what the fuck that means. And don't ask me to do any more than like adding with my fingers. Cause that's the only way I've gotten through bartending all these years. It's like, Oh yeah, that beer and those two shots are $14, you know? Um, I'm, right on, I'm, you know, so speaking of high school, you went to high school in Chicago for one year. I okay. went to brother rice high school and, and then, uh, uh, without it going on my permanent record, they politely asked me to leave. And, uh, <laughs> I got uh, shipped back back towards where I lived. I lived in Orland Park, Illinois. Okay. So, and, but luckily, uh, I did not go to Carl Sandburg High School like my sisters did. I got to go where all the bad kids went, and they went to Andrew High School in Tinley Park where all my all my uh, uh, degenerate friends went. And, uh, yes, I finished out my high school years there. So you learned a thing or two from them. Well, I would like to say that, but most of them didn't even make it through high school. Right. I think I, I was one of the only ones, and I, I barely made it out. Right. Just, you know, clawing. No, I, I I'm, I'm I'm with yeah. you on that one. Yeah, yeah. My parents dangled a lot of uh, a lot of incentives for me to like, you know, do well. Like uh, one of them, I was again thinking about the old days, uh, nineteen eighty eight, uh, my junior year, and I was really I I flunked everything my sophomore year. So they were like, you gotta at least get a C average, and if you do, we're gonna get you blah blah blah. There's one very important thing, and it's, it has a music. It's related to music. And I did. I got a C average that first quarter. So my dad, we, you know, we worked downtown at the Board of Trade, and he had a guy that had scalper tickets. And back then, they weren't that expensive. It was only 85 bucks. But I got 12th row center for Metallica and Justice for All with Queensryche opening up at USC Pavilion. And uh, that was a big one for me, you know. 85 bucks uh, for Queensryche? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yes, exactly. Queensryche on the Operation Minecraft tour. <laughs> I'm a Rage and for tell- Order guy myself. Me too. That's the, my favorite record. That's amazing. That's a good one. I, that's a fucking awesome record. Walk in the shadows, baby. Yeah. Damn, so damn, damn, damn. so w- had you already decided that music's going to be my life? I don't really need to finish high school. What was going on? I did finish high school and I didn't get into. Uh, I know. I know I you did. Yeah, I, I know. Oh, I, keep, oh, yeah. I keep making it sound like you didn't, but like that's, that's you okay. weren't interested in it. No, I was not interested in high school. Um, I love music. Yes, I was, I was obsessed. And uh, but I did not join my first band until days after I, I left high school. And a funny thing is, is that I joined a band with some fellows that played in uh, the Married Men. Uh, oh, yeah. Were, yes, it was uh, uh, T. Duggins, Jabones. Uh, wait, Aaron played. I'm sorry. Aaron Duggins. Played Aaron, yeah. Band, right. Yeah. Aaron was still uh, Aaron was still a little squirt. We used to rehearse at Tony's house. We had a band called My My Crisis, and it was Tony Duggins, Tony Broderick, and me, this guy Jeff Rinkus, another guy named Rich Durkin, who was in and out, my friend Bob Poole, who worked at this record store called Red Tower Records, that I also worked at, too. We all kind of, that was kind of in and out, and then I quit like a year later, but I was, they were the only guy, they were the only dudes in town that had a band, and they were way younger than me. They were like, they were all freshmen, and I was graduating. I was out, you know? Right. But I was like... Fuck yeah! I'll, I'll, like, you want to join our band or want to play with us? I was like, fuck yeah! I'll join your band. Hell yeah! So what were you yeah. doing in the band? I sang. Well, you sang. Okay. I, I, I attempted to sing. It was uh, 
I really hope there's some kind of VHS cassette out there for that first battle. That I, do I, <laughs> I really do too. I really do. Oh, you should. Oh, if, Ben's I looking right turn, now. <laughs> good. I hope it's. I, I've, I've looked all over YouTube. I don't think it exists. I, I was hoping the, the the camera could be turned towards the crowd that was there because the looks on their faces <laughs> as we were performing was like. I mean, it was they. It was like they were in utter shock and horror. They were like, I mean, I was so out of key. It was it was ridiculous, and we were so all of us were out of key, and everyone's just like, oh my god, and then you know, politely like. Right. Oh, we got the support! Yay! Oh, every kid gets a trophy! Yay! When, when did uh, you start with d- dyslexic Apaches? July of 1991. Okay, so was it right yeah. after this this band yeah. with the Dugs? Yeah, I was I was playing with these guys. We did a couple shows, you know, like a handful of shows. You know, we would put on a couple of oh oh. We had this little series series. Uh, we put we we rented a VFW hall out. My friend Bill Murphy. And I rented out a BFW hall. We hired sound and we did a thing called lollipops and booza. And that was, uh, it was like our local festival in Timley park, Illinois. And my crisis played, um, this band called the no good Nicks. They're like a hardcore band that we're friends with. And, uh, we had our metal friends that played that year was this band called sweet revenge. Uh, they were on that bill. It was a very, it was a pretty, you know, like eclectic bunch of bands. It's really, if you look back at it, um, and we did two of them. That was the first one. The second one, my crisis played again without me. I was with the Apaches. Uh, no good. Next played again. Uh, sweet revenge became cyclone with a P P Y S cyclone. And, mm-hmm. uh, they were like, they were like the progressive metal band. They're pretty fucking good. They should have, I, I wish they would have stuck with that. Cause man, little did they know if they would have like went over to Europe in the nineties, they would have fucking cashed in like hard, hard, <laughs> You know, so how long were the the Apaches sticking around? How long? How long was that? We were a band from like 91 until 97 or 98, I think. Okay. Wow. Around there. Occasionally we would get back together for fun. Like Busker Soundchecks last show at the Metro was like 2000 and they asked us to open up. So we kind of reformed and played that one show. I remember that. Moved away to, to Seattle. Yeah. And then one other time, uh, I don't know if you remember when Paul Camp like uh, lopped off part of his finger in around 2004 <laughs> while we're doing Led Zeppelin two, and uh, uh, he they had a benefit show for him at Martyrs called Give Paul Camp the Finger right. and uh, Apaches reunited for that again. This time our bass player who was like I said moved to Seattle couldn't do it, so we had our friend Greg from the band called Foo F O O fill in, and uh, that was that was about it. So, but I would say we 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 were done by like '98. So 98, dyslexic, yeah. dis, I, I hate that name. 98, the Me Apaches, <laughs> 98, the yeah. Apaches call it quits. And yeah. was it right, right away into Yakuza? No. And even like towards the end of uh, the Apaches in like 95, 96 is kind of when I, uh, I started playing the saxophone again after mm-hmm. a bunch of years of not playing it. I played it, in, I played it in high school band and stuff like that. Um, I was getting really into like jazz and improvisational music. So like my tastes were like really shifting away from, from rock and stuff like that. Um, there was some rock I was still into, but uh, I started bringing a horn to rehearsals and we had like one song that was like a Q one one local hit. I would call mm-hmm. it not even a hit, but it would get played on there and I wouldn't sing it anymore. I play the vocal part on sax, which didn't, and I didn't ask the band. I just kind of did it. They were not too thrilled that I was doing stuff like that. And I couldn't play saxophone very well either. So that was, you're, you know, you're kind of asking a lot when you just show up and start doing shit like that. 
Right. That's like the beginning of the beginning of the end is all my fault. So <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. If they watch this or hear this, you heard it it's, here. It's, it was all my fault.
right around that same time, I was into the jazz improvisational stuff, but then I also was getting turned on to a new wave of some like more interesting heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. I heard like I heard Mashuga for the first time. This was actually I heard Mashuga in nineteen ninety six and it caught my attention. But by ninety eight, I was really into them. And then I heard a band called Candiria. They're from Brooklyn, New York, and they infused like hip hop, but not in a new metal sense. Right. Some like j- jazz fusion and kind of heavier stuff. And then the band that really had an impact on me, which had an impact on me for the next like fifteen years, was a band from San Francisco called Neurosis. All right. And um, when I heard all that, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I see where heavy music's going. I want to get back into this. And I was I was kind of ready to start fronting a band again. So I put an ad out, and Eric Plunka, the original guitar player, called me. It was the only ad I ever put out, by the way, at the Reader. I just put it out there, and that was, that was the callback. So, hey, if that thing still exists out there, kids, put those ads out there. They're worth it. So you join the band, and, and you bring your horn. Not right away. Okay. I, in the ad, I said that. something like, yeah, they were the ones that encouraged it, honestly. Like, I, I wasn't, I was going to keep my uh, chocolate and peanut butter separate, you know, uh-huh. and just, you know, do my horn shit on one, you know, on one avenue and just kind of do the heavy shit and sing on the other and you know, on this other road here. And uh, then, you know, we were talking and they're like, you got, you play the instruments? Well, I got to play a little guitar, play a little bass, not as well as those, the, those two, the Eric's. I go, but I also play saxophone. And literally all three of them like like just like, What? They're like, you play saxophone? I'm like, Yeah. And they were like obsessed with John Zorn's like Vegas right. City and shit like that. Um, so they were like, dude, bring it down. And so I did and I didn't like it at first. Um, but then I started fucking around with some like electronic effects and stuff like that and uh it 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 found its way. It found its it's found its place in the band, you know. I mean, when you listen to that first record, it, it all the stuff is there. The, the whole idea yeah. of mixing all that stuff is there. It, it's cool. And, you know, you know, all the hardcore yeah. is in there and the avant-garde stuff and metal and I guess jazz, you know. So sure. it's not like it's something that you guys had developed. You guys seem to have this idea of it right away. A lot of those songs, the first record was a self-release called Amount to Nothing. And a lot of those songs were already written before... I even stepped into the rehearsal space and some more stuff, you know, beyond that, that unfortunately never got recorded. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I record, I, I did my stuff on that record three months into the band. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I didn't really, I really didn't, you know, I didn't really get inside that music until maybe later that year. And we were starting to play some of those same songs and I had completely changed my parts. I was playing horn over a lot of stuff, a lot more horn over stuff. I was singing differently and, our next record we did with Dale Miners. You remember Dale? Yeah. From uh, Wesley Willis fiasco yes. and, and, uh, and ghetto love studio over there on yep. Elizabeth. Yeah. He was our bud. And, uh, we recorded the first one with him. And then the second one was called way of the dead. And we recorded that with him. And that one was the one where it was like, all right, it's kind of all coming together now, you know? And that was, that's the record. It came out on Century media, shit like that. So it was, uh, you know, what was that like? Like the whole experience with those guys. That record, the Century Media guys. Oh bullshit! Oh yeah. I mean, and they know it. They know it too. Yeah. Well, luckily they had a guy, and I can say this now, I, I guess, because then I get what's it called? Like the the statute of limitations is gone or whatever. No one listens to this anyway. You're fine. Cool. Speak freely. I don't care anyway. There's a guy named Steve Joe who has been a dear friend of the band, and he was the A and R rep. He's the one that found us, 
and he loved the band, but he was also having this internal struggle with the label because the yeah. label was kind of like, you know, basically like shelling out bullshit deals, you know, like even like a band like I Hate God got kind of fucked, you know, they would get like these six or seven album contracts and they would never, you know, they would never have the rights to those records, terrible returns, all this shit. And he and Steve was hell bent that we would not be one of those bands. And also Dale Miners hooked us up with Wesley Willis's fucking lawyer who was like tied in with American somehow. And she read through our first contract and was like, dude, don't fucking sign this. And I was like, okay, no problem. And so I just would talk to him on the side. And then he told me what he was doing was he, like you said, he didn't want us to get fucked. So he was basically saying it was us, but he was actually going in and negotiating shit with the head of the label saying like, man, they're getting, you know, they're, they're driving a hard bargain. We got to, I don't know if we can get these guys like this. And they're like, get back in there and do this. And you go, right. okay. You right. go back and go back into his office for 30 minutes and <laughs> dick around. They come back and be like, man, they turned it down again. They're like, what, what's going on? He's like, well, they got that lawyer. I, I'm forgetting her name right now. It's like Gail right. something. And uh, they're like, man, that lawyer's a fucking, she's a beast, you know? Yeah. I don't know what to do. I think we should just do like a licensing deal with them. You know what I'm saying? For like lower money because their record's already done, you know? So, you know, he comes back to me and goes, hey, man, here's this licensing deal. It's a five-year deal. It's for low money, but your record's already done. And at first I'm thinking like, well, what does that mean? Like, you know, the records, the record label is not going to be invested in us. You're not going to do anything for us. Hubba, 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 hubba. He's like, hey, seriously, just do this. And I showed it to her, and she was like, yes, this is the thing you want to sign. Because fuck them. Those guys are trying, those guys are going to fuck you otherwise. Right. This is the only way you're going to be able to get out of this shit. So we did it. And that was a, a blessing and, a, and kind of a curse for us because, yes, we only, we were the only band at that time that did a licensing deal with century media ever, right. you know, like all these other bands got kind of fucking jacked, but they never put any fucking weight behind us ever. You know, they, they right. threw us on like one good tour with Opeth and a band called Lacuna coil, who was like real hot at the time. Nice. And, and then, Oh, and we did a warp tour, which was, I mean, you might as well just like sent us to fucking Siberia and play to nobody. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was about, it was about, you know, it was it was worthless, you know. I mean, I got to watch that band Thursday every day, right? Ooh, you know, I'm I'm sorry Thursday. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry that I had to sit through ca in catering because it was right next to your fucking stage and watch you play. Um, <laughs> so you found, but yeah. You... So good. They they fucking literally, you know, after the cycle of that record went around, oh, that guy Steve quit the label. So now we had nobody. We had like an intern named George Valley. Who ended up now he manages a bunch of like bigger bands and shit. He ended up going into like, you know, the other stratosphere of shit. He was the only kid that like would champion us at that label. And he was like probably the like the he was the smallest of all peons there. Right. And that was it. And then the next, I don't know, two thousand three they got a new A and R rep and he was like, dudes, you, you, it's not for us. Thanks. I mean, so it sounds like it almost broke you, but but no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we almost ended up on Snakes on a Plane soundtrack. That was that was exciting, too. That would have um, been the straw uh, that broke the back. Literally. I mean, I did try to watch that recently for the first time. <laughs> what a fucking... I don't know how many stars you gave that. but uh, I, I still have uh, never seen it, to be honest. Uh, 
Well, it's it's kind of amusing to watch, at least the 30 minutes I watched, because the CGI that they had back then for mm-hmm. the snakes on the plane uh, were pretty hilarious. But, I mean, I mean, you know. Well, you I like Anaconda. Yeah. As, yeah. Okay, you might. Uh, I'm this, an Anaconda. Oh, oh, here comes Ben. Quite a, <laughs> Excuse me. A, I have something to say about snakes on a plane, gentlemen. Why don't all three of you go fuck yourselves uh, simultaneously? Come on, let's, let's hear it. I, uh, I don't like snakes on a plane, but I really was into that director's movie that he made before that, Cellular. Oh. Thank you. That's all. That's the same director? Yeah. Oh. Huh, okay. yeah, it's not, it's not the same that, movie you're talking about. You're thinking of a different movie. You're thinking Ooh, of Collateral, man. Bruce. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know that uh, for a fact see. that Bruce is thinking of Collateral? No, I'm just... Did you not know that Scott can read my mind? That's yeah. a thing that we figured out. We figured this out like in the like 2010, 2011. It's Are funny because... I, head? Yeah, because I can <laughs> read his mind, but he can't read mine. Mm. No, that's so that's it's the, it's very bull- it's a very frustrating it's bull- relationship. It's complete bullshit. I think you know. I don't know who set this up. You know, it's I don't believe in higher powers and stuff, but something something's fishy around here. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like it. Don't. But <laughs> so you guys go scurrying back to Indyland at this point. No more fucking suits. No more warp tour. No more of this nonsense. Right. No. Then we uh, then we graduated. Well or whatever you call that, got got sent back a grade to a label called Prosthetic Records, which, hap- which happened to be a guy named EJ who worked at Century Media, um, but he had Lamb of God early uh-huh. on, and Lamb of God broke his label, basically, with an album called New American Gospel. So there was some money there, and he was able to sign bands. And he liked us, actually. He was at Century Media, but he had bailed before we got ousted. So he offered up. You know, he's like, and they were much smaller. It was him. It was just basically like a kind of a boutique metal label. It was him and another guy named Dan Fitzgerald who worked at Metal Blade. It was kind of like their thing off on the side. And they were like, hey, we like your band. Do you want to come with us? Well, like, sure. You know, I like I like EJ. He's cool. I like Dan. And uh, we went on that route and we did a couple records. But same shit, you know, too weird. Really? I thought, at what point did you get with somebody that you felt simpatico with? Tonight. Wait, yeah, tonight? Exactly. You three. Hey, you guys want to start a record label and put out a record? I got this. Gabe's <laughs> got this one. For like 25. Oh, really? Cool. I'll, yeah, uh, he does. He oh, does. Yeah. He does I, records I, and he does uh, Super Bowl squares. <laughs> oh, well, shit. Uh, Gabe, you and I should talk on the side later. Uh, I, I, like to make a, I like to propose a couple things to you. I like right. football squares, too. I was I was in charge of the football squares this year for our super bowl party you know, it's been 20 happen. minutes since bruce has started a band or started a label so he's he's jonesing <laughs> to do something right now <laughs> yeah exactly um but uh yeah no after that um a band uh a band that we kind of uh uh had an alliance with that was also weird they're called dysrhythmia and they're out of uh new york and philly area three piece like instrumental really weird no one got them they were on relapse for a while mm-hmm. um they kind of hit me to this label uh out of canada called profound lore uh a guy named chris bruni who ended up after i talked to him was like oh dude i used to work for a magazine called brave words and bloody knuckles i used to 
I did an interview with you. I'm like, oh shit, I remember that. And he's like, yeah, and I used to review your records. Let's fucking talk, you know? And that was even a smaller label. It was just him. But he really, he did it right. Uh, he got it out there and um, he just kind of like, he he had some great bands back then, man. Everybody on that label was really fucking cool. And, and uh, it really helped us kind of like, just helped us get it out there, you know? And at that time too, like we kind of like, we got it. We had a new bass player. It was Ivan Cruz, and so musically, we were kind of like firing on all cylinders. So we put this record out, a great record out called "Of Seismic Consequence," Consequence, mm-hmm. uh, Consequence, and that's kind of the uh, Led Zeppelin four of our catalog. All right, so okay, that's the one. really good reviews um we went on tour the band called trypticon which is tom warrior from celtic frost yeah. next project and a black metal band called 1349 and uh you got along pretty well with that, tom warrior right we along great he's fucking yeah. awesome and the guys from, and the guys and the guys from 1349 
they're super cool it was an awesome tour it was fucking fun and that scene as weird as that bill was it totally worked for us you know right um yeah so that's when you started to feel like things were hitting like for the band whatever whatever hitting is called sure <laughs> yeah i guess yes. firing on all uh, cylinders was, just where you feel comfortable yeah 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 then we did another record right after that called bayul uh and it was kind of a continuation i would call that like the final cut of the uh yakuza mm -hmm. catalog you know <laughs> okay. you got the wall and then you got the you know it's kind of like the the, the continuation of uh well, i like the final cut do a record I do too. That's why I was not, I was not dissing it at all. Yeah. So I was actually, you know, but that's kind of like that thing. And then we, uh, didn't do a record until 2023. Wow. So, I mean, that's around that time around 2010s, like for me at that time, the most exciting thing happening in Chicago was the underground metal scene here. And, yeah. and for me, you were the center of that. You and Sanford were the center of that. And, and it was odd for me because I was uh, making laid back alt country records with the married men. But the thing that really excited me about this town was what you guys were doing. Oh, cool. Um, I, you know, he's my, uh, he's my partner in crime and brother in arms or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm real glad that we both went to the same ISIS show at uh fireside in 2000 and, he asked me for a ride home and I did gave it to him. And then he was quizzing me on some like real, real underground metal shit that I wasn't really interested in. He's like, yo, you the burning witch, man. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, not really. And he's like, uh, then we just like kind of started, you know, going back and forth and I was about to drop him off and we decided we liked each other and we've been palling around and doing shit together ever since we actually were in the studio last week working on some working on new circle of animals for the first oh, time really 13 years and it's a completely different direction than the first record we did so first record was like a homage to the industrial music scene this is going to be i don't know what the hell this is going to be <laughs> but it's, it's just not an homage to anything so, this time not so far all right i don't know what the fuck it is yeah it's just like you know some ideas that he had some ideas that I have and we just kind of like threw them together and we're going to kind of see how we can make it all work. And you know, that's not the first time we've done that, but. Well, I mean, that's the thing about you. You're like, you've always impressed me with your hustle. Like you're always doing stuff yeah. and you're always working and uh, collaborating with people. And you're, you're once again, you're always working. You know, I remember you going to South by Southwest one year and you had all these bartending gigs lined up. You had more bar shifts sure. lined up than you had shows. Well, because you don't get fucking paid at South by Southwest. That's that's how it all started. Yeah. You know, there's this there's this dude named Craig Stewart that's worked for for South by for since the 90s. And we just kind of became like email friends. We just like, you know, I played a few, we played a few showcases, Yakuza did and stuff. And him and I just stayed in contact. He's actually uh, King Coffee's partner from Butthole Surfers. They've been nice. partners forever. And uh you know, one year, you know, I don't know. I think I got a, like my solo project got a showcase thing and I wrote to him. I was like, dude, I can't afford to come down. Like, there's no fucking way. I go, can you give me like a bartending gig? And he like writes me back. He's like, no one, no band guys ever asked that. Yeah. He's like, I'll see what I can do. And then, you know, like a week later, he's like, hey, this guy named Mike from a, co a club called North Door wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So I reach out to North Door and talk to this guy, Mike. He's really nice. He's like, oh, I heard you want to come down and work you work at empty bottle right i'm like yeah he's like oh then that's cool that's that's enough you know that's enough uh uh you know 
credibility not, for me. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on down. So I worked, I worked a couple shifts and then do you ever meet a guy named Randy Conrad? Uh, he's uh, a Chicago guy, but he's a bar dude. He's not in, he's not in bands or anything. We grew up together and, uh, um, he moved to Austin and I was working a shift at North door. Like I said, I've known since we were like seven years old and I'm working with this lady. And we're just like shooting the shit. And little do I know she goes and texts her quote boyfriend. She's like, Oh, it's really weird. I'm working with this like bartender from Chicago. We've never had this happen before. And he started laughing. He's like, is his name Bruce? <laughs> and she's like, yep, it was him. And she's like, how did you know? He's like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And he walks in and it's, it's his girlfriend who ended up being his wife like later on. But, uh, and then he worked for emos. So, and then he introduced me to another guy named Johnny Sarkis who did a bunch of bars around town. And Johnny Sarkis loved the idea of me coming down and like, working south by southwest that it just like brought me more work and i went down there pretty much every year on and off for almost a decade you know yeah and i and i, and I stopped playing shows i was like right playing shows this is <laughs> right this is stupid it wasn't like uh uh you know uh vice or anything wanted to have anything that i did at any of their showcases we didn't right draw anybody. we didn't draw anybody you know Fuck, so fucking vice none of that none of that none of it's just i mean uh vice what you gonna do now pitchfork yeah gone by the way it's gq uh, I, I, I feel bad for all those don't people get me started i feel bad for all those people that don't know what to think anymore now that pitchfork isn't around to tell them <laughs> i really worry about them but yeah the work ethic a, and, and then that's a chicago you know i keep hearing that's a chicago thing but you actually have way. it not like you you man. have it fuck come on man Give no. me a break, lifer, lifer guy. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, that, you're, you're that's... like, you're like, you're ki you're king lifer. <laughs> no, you are king lifer, and and, and that's the thing. Here's <laughs> a great question. All right, like, so rock seems to thrive on the next big thing, always looking for the next thing. But you know, how do you keep it going? How do you keep not throwing the towel? How do you take what you have and keep it interesting? Uh, I just keep starting new stuff you know and collaborating i mean look i'll never be a household name and i don't fucking care i don't give a shit about that at all not even on this on the on the smallest level um but one one like some of the, the only the only some of all this is one getting to travel to cool places and meeting really interesting musicians who will give me the time of day and i appreciate that so much you know and uh i've gotten to do some fucking awesome like projects or even one-offs or whatever just because you know we find a, a way to collaborate and you know uh, work together and that kind of shit that's 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 what's kept me going you know i mean like okay so last night i i i must just like divulge what last night was so okay child child bite is a band from detroit i played on two of their records um, their last record Albini recorded. It was the first time I ever recorded with Albini. I've been I've recorded in the studio, but I'd never recorded with him. So right. that was a, like that was like a Pater moment. And yeah. he, he was actually pleased with what I did. And he told he shook my hand at the end of the session, and said, Thank you for being prepared and very efficient. I appreciate it. And <laughs> he I does take love that, that. Yeah. I, I take that as the highest compliment ever. And I went back a year later and recorded with another band. And, and I guess, you know, when someone like, oh, we're bringing a saxophone player and he kind of does the, oh, God, you know, because he doesn't know what he's going to get. And so this band was coming in, some friends of mine, and he's like, oh, we have some saxophone. He goes, oh, who is it? He's like, Bruce Lamont. He goes, great. 
no problem. He, he just knew. So now in his mind, I'm, he knows that I'm there to work and I don't fuck around, you know? Right. And guess what? That's, that's cool with me. And that relationship that exists. Fuck. Yeah. So last night, child bites, like they're playing green Bay and they're like, Hey, you want to come up and, you know, play a little sex with us. What, what I didn't tell you was, is what they were opening with. They're opening for Pantera and Lamb of God. Oh, um, so we, it wasn't just some like bar gig. It was more like 5,000 people while they right. were playing. And, uh, over the years, uh, Phil and Selma and I actually have become friendly, actually more than just friendly. Um, and uh, he was very excited that I was there and we hung out. And um, even he and I were talking about working out some stuff together. Like he wants me to come down to Norway. He's got this like outside metal project called N minor, E-N minor. Check it out. Very woven handy, kind of Nick Cave, but Phil's thing. He's in a lot of, a lot of cool music. And cool. We, we get along great. And so that got to do that last night. So I got to see the new Pantera, by the way, which fucking was ridiculous. I mean, you have Charlie Benante playing drums and Zach Wilde playing guitar. I mean, yeah. that's about as good as it's going to get after the Abbott Brothers. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, it Justine was, saw it in Milwaukee like a few months ago. I mean, the, the visuals, they had fucking full on fire. You know, it's like almost like part Kiss show. Uh-huh. It was it was <laughs> phenomenal, and Phil's wife is his like his manager, uh, and she's a, just a doll. I mean, love her to death. Her name's Kate, and uh, yeah, I was just like, it was just very tasteful. I thought even like the homage to the brothers and shit was, was right. cool, and I didn't feel like it was like like it wasn't it was done. It was it's just done really well. It was cool. It was All really right, fun. and I'm dead tired. I'm on like three hours of sleep because I. <laughs> And I wasn't even partying. We like we were just hanging out, you know. Like you know, it's just one of those things where it just and all of a sudden it's two in the morning. And we're eating pizza, and I'm like, I gotta go my room, my hotel. I I can't do this. And yeah, like, yeah. We blow we blow off fireworks in the parking lot. You want to hang? I'm like, no, I gotta go. And I just walked off and left in the night, you know. But that's like I said, that's the painter. I just that's I just, why you do it. I do it. I I do it for the love of music, and I do it because I like to do stuff with you know. I was hinting at you. Actually, uh, when I asked you about uh, um, uh, here come old laptop, because uh, I thought you know New Year's Eve was coming up and Sibers was playing, I was like, mm, right. I wonder, I wonder if he wanted to do this. And I, we had my wife and I had other New Year's Eve plans. I didn't want to like push it too hard, but I was gonna be like, you're like, oh, we need that horn section. I was like, you know, I can do. I have this this effect. I can actually make it sound like I'm playing three horns at once. You know, they're gonna get they're gonna get it. Should have been a little bit more clear. I know, I know, I know. It's a little more. I'm, I'm too, he, I, was too, I totally would have done it. I, we had two <laughs> drummers going and, and to have some horns oh, going. Fuck. Uh, and we were all dressed up like characters from Pee Wee's Playhouse. So you could have dressed no! up like. Who could he have dressed up like, Gabe? What, well, what did uh, I. You're asking the wrong person. Uh, who? Uh, Gabe was dressed was up like Jombie. Cool. Uh, what was the cowboy that fucking what's his name was? Cowboy uh, Curtis. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody dressed as Cowboy Ryan Curtis? Ryan was Cowboy Curtis, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Anybody in the ch- or the chair? No, you uh, could have been Cherry. Cherry, fuck. Yeah. Damn. Well, I got what? an idea. I got an idea for you and me. We could uh we could cover the Angel Heart soundtrack. Okay. I'm down. All right. When do you want to do it and where? Uh, Your house. Small, uh, small. Yeah, we'll do it small. We'll do it somewhere. We'll we'll go cool. We'll go into Ryan's place and we'll we'll do uh, the Angel Heart soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm down. Whatever you want to do. Gabe? Hold on a second. You're telling me that we went this whole time and didn't know that Bruce played on Here Come Old Laptop? You didn't know that? He also plays on Limit Your Change. That's the other song. Yeah. That's yep. that that's the record. That was that's the record that was made in the midst of my uh infatuation with all things Bruce. That was a that was a that was fun. I like that record a lot. Actually, I was listening to it uh like about a month ago. I was just going through it and it's just it's cool cuz it's like a all the songs kind of like they change, it's a journey. It's cool. I, I like it a lot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a bum. Hallelujah. It's a great Brian. record. That was Brian, one of those Brian, Brian played on it, right? Brian's Brian's on it. Yeah. yeah, was that your Brian impersonation? <laughs> Brian impersonation, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> so, Gabe, you got to be feeling pretty good about your chances right now. I felt pretty good last week, and it didn't work out for me. Yeah, but how do you think it's going to go this week? I think it's... you've got this in the bag. Yes. I ben, how do you feel? Uh, I feel like a... A, a dead duck. Dead man walking. Okay. <laughs> Dead man walking. All right, Bruce. Uh, if, uh, Gabe's if, got a question for you. Yeah, we ask okay. we ask every guest. Okay. As many times as we have a guest, we bring them on. Hey, by say, the way, Gabe, did you see people online this week saying that you suck and you still don't know how to ask this question? I know. I've asked this question a hundred times, and I say it different every week. If you had to choose between two bands, you could only listen to one. You're on a deserted island. You could only listen to one band. Do you get it? Do you get it, Bruce? You're, you're on a deserted <laughs> island. You can only listen to one band. Do you get Do you get the setup here? Oh, yes. Yes. Between okay. The Replacements or Iron Maiden? Replacements. Fuck! Whoa! Yeah! Whoa! Motherfuckers! Fuck off! Holy it's shit! A it's a setup. <laughs> you said that with a straight face, like... He thought about it, he reasoned with himself, and he came up with the proper answer. Defend your choice, Ooh, Bruce. No, there's no... What, what, what kind of new wrinkle is this? <laughs> Tim, I mean, mm -hmm. what the fuck you want, man? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. they're great. Mm -hmm. I, I regret I had a chance to see them at Aragon for Don't Tell a Soul, and I didn't mm -hmm. go. And uh, I've been kicking my ass, kicking myself in the ass ever since. I did see that Riot Fest show. It was okay. Uh, they're fucking. They're fucking awesome, man. Are you kidding? Of course me? they are. And I, of course and, they are. And I love. I love Maiden too. I mean, that's that's a tough call. But also, uh, you know, I can smell a setup when I when I when I smell one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, Gabe. I'm on a bad streak here. No, you won last week, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, fuck. No, Nick, Nick Miller I don't remember the last time he won. Yeah. Nick Miller picked replacement. Well, I knew that was going to happen. If you thought Nick Miller was going to be in the bag for Iron Maiden. He did think Nick Miller was going to be in the bag You were nuts, Maiden. Junior. I don't know. I mean, mm. if you would have said, like, uh, Paul Diano, Iron Maiden, or the replacements, <laughs> then maybe I'd have been like, oh, well, that's a no-brainer. It's got to be. Oh, here we go. We're going to roll out this this chestnut. Go ahead, kid. <laughs> that's my theory. The people I'm, that are, there's a certain age of Maiden fans that I give up on Maiden after, <laughs> after Paul Diano. No. Power Slave is where it's at. 1984. It doesn't get any better. Please. I don't think Bruce likes Power Slave. Do you like Power Slave? I do like Power Slave. Okay, I like it too. I, I thought you didn't like it. I think it's Sanford who doesn't like it. Oh, Sanford doesn't like a lot of good shit, you know. So whatever. We're still friends, you know. <laughs> sure. It, plus, he's he's like way younger than us. He's like forty five or some shit. Like, so mm -hmm. you know, what does he know? Well, he then grew up he, listening yeah. to 
no prayer for the dying or some shit. You know? <laughs> no, no. He didn't grow up. We're like the same age. We're like what twelve when that came out. It's like yeah. we were right for we were right for the picking. You know, it's like oh, right. power slave. That was the show that my mom wouldn't let me go to. You know, because I was t- you're too young for that. I'm like oh, I, I hate you. Yeah. You're absolutely you absolutely weren't. You you were absolutely the right age for that. Unbelievable. Fuck yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. You too. You too. Yeah, they're they're good too. And also love you too. So, you know, early you too. Yeah, I got no problem with you too. Yes. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Thanks for doing this. Dude, thank you. Thank you all for having me. This is uh <laughs> super fun and an absolute pleasure. So, I I uh, everybody should go to this show. Are there still tickets available? February 25th? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thalia yeah, Hall. Let's, let's not- yeah, I mean, ahead, from the story I just told you, trust me, we are not a band that fills 900-seat rooms, um, but it's a really awesome room to play. We played there over the summer. Uh, we opened for Yob, and uh, oh, right. they were, uh, yeah, and we worked be- with be- uh, between the Thalia Hall folks and Civil, the uh, independent music group, right. um, helped us out with some finances and stuff. We were able to make this happen, and uh, we really appreciate that. And that, like I said, I mean, I'm a little biased because, you know, I work there and I, but I also I've seen a bunch of kick-ass shows there, kick-ass shows there, by the way, Andre 3000 last week. Amazing. Um, yeah. So we're really happy to be there and really happy to do it there. And uh, yes, there are tickets available. Please come out. Check it. It's going to be the Chicago show of the week, you know, and yeah. that includes some band that's playing tonight at Empty Bottle. But uh, tonight, tonight? <laughs> tonight, but are you guys going to play at- are you guys going to play Echoes from the Sky? Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's going to jam. I'll see you there. All right.
Are you playing tonight at Bottle or Friday? No, Friday. This will come out on Friday, so I'm just trying oh, to make it. Sweet. Oh, sweet. Oh, like, uh, yeah. uh I am working an early shift at the hall. I'm going to try to shoot over after and uh, check the show out. So, okay, uh, sounds great. Yeah, so I, I saw that on, on the list. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like I was, you know, I get excited when I see see some friends, you know. Yeah. They were at the bottles, especially us lifers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 